Good evening. <clears throat> I'm Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks, Naomi. Um, we are going to be talking about Sabbath tonight. Um, it's hard for me to see up here, but how many of you know what Sabbath is? Use your voice to tell me. Don't. Yes. Okay, not super enthusiastic. All right, all right. Um, we're we're going to define it a little bit, and then I, I want to flesh out some of the things that uh, this text uh, says for us today in our lives. Uh, but I want to begin with a quote, okay? A quote from Blaise Pascal, um, 17th century uh, mathematician and philosopher who speaks this fiery wisdom uh, that somehow is just as relevant for us mind-bogglingly, as it was for him in the 1600s. Okay, he says that all of humanity's problems, all of humanity's problems, stem from the inability to sit quietly in a room alone. I'm going to read it one more time. I want to let it sink in. All of humanity's problems stem from the inability to sit quietly in a room alone. If you're like me, I think 1600s, and I think, what else were people doing? Like, once it's like 6.30 and the sun is down, like, what? Aren't they just sitting in rooms alone in the dark with candlelight? I, I just think, like, at that time, there's got to be a lot more downtime. But even at that time, however you think about the 1600s, this was still a problem. And it is certainly uh, a problem for us today. Uh, this week, uh, a friend of mine sent a video message uh, to me and a group of others uh, because he finished this program. Um, he, he, writes, um, well, he writes programs and does all sorts of things in the engineering world. Uh, and he finished this program, and as a celebration for finishing this program, his engineering firm got him this really cool Yeti mug. And it had like their uh, logo emblazoned on it. Uh, and it was like, oh, this is cool. And he said that he was sitting there like looking and it has uh, this Latin inscription on it. And he was like, oh, I, like, I wonder what that says. He's, his joke was like, it probably says like we are one or something. Uh, and he looked it up and the Latin said, never rest. And he was like, oh, that doesn't quite feel good to get from my employer. This is uh, the culture that we live in, a never rest culture. Many of you uh, probably feel that. The university is a place that uh, uses that and utilizes that and, and you begin to feel like you have so many things to do. Uh, you've got papers, you've got relationships that you're trying to manage in the midst um, of finals and midterms and breaks and managing a social schedule, um, trying to help serve, coming to things like this. It often feels like a lot. And it's rare that I meet college students who do not feel like they need a break or like they need a rest. We're going to talk about how you can do that, uh, I think, uh, in a little bit, and some of the ways that you might do it that, m that probably aren't actually giving you the rest that you want. So we've been in Leviticus all semester. So much of the book of Leviticus is about the tabernacle or the tent of meeting. 
The tent of meeting is this place where the presence of God dwells in the middle of the camp as the Israelites are moving around through the wilderness before they get to the promised land. After they leave slavery in Egypt, they're moving around and the tabernacle, the tent of meeting is in the middle and they know that the Lord is there in their presence dwelling in them. And the tabernacle and the surrounding area, this is stuff that we've said over the last few weeks, were meant to represent for them this vision of what Eden was like and this vision of what the new creation will be like when dwelling with God forever for eternity. And so all, there are all these little rules and these, these minute details and these things that, uh, that don't seem like they quite make sense. And they're really contextualized for a particular people at a particular time. But the wisdom that undergirds those uh, rules and those laws and those regulations are beneficial still for us today. And so what we see in in Leviticus, in the book of Leviticus, after the tabernacle is created, and then then after it's talking about um, how to engage the tabernacle with purity um, laws and clean and unclean things and and how to deal with um, all of these ritual pieces, something interesting happens in the book. It starts talking a ton about the Sabbath. I put in in the... um, in the order of service, um, one verse, but it's repeated, actually. And so in verse 19, and then in, and in verse 26. And so we're kind of right at the turn where we're moving from tabernacle and from talking about some of these things, we see some talk about the Sabbath, um, and it continues and continues and continues as the book goes on. And so the deal is the people of Israel are in the wilderness. They're moving through the wilderness from, from slavery in Egypt to the promised land. Uh, and, and when they get to the promised land, something is going to happen. Each of the tribes are going to get a territory of land to dwell in. And so they're going to spread out across Israel. They're going to spread out across the promised land. And no longer are they just going to be one big camp living together with the tabernacle at the center. And so what is going to keep them tethered to God? It's the Sabbath. The Sabbath is supposed to function in the same way that the tabernacle is to remind people of what it will look like in new creation, dwelling in eternity with God. The Sabbath is supposed to show what it's going to be like. Not not just what it looks like, but what it's going to be like. There's this integration of work and rest uh, and, and being able to step back from the day's work and say, This is very good. So in the Ten Commandments, uh, which is where a lot of people first think Sabbath. So so you get Sabbath, uh, uh, the word Sabbath actually just kind of means rest. There are other ways to think about it. For tonight, that's how we're going to think about it. So you might think, uh, you you might have heard Sabbath as it relates to um, going to church, um, spending the Sabbath day or something like that. We're going to talk about it mostly as rest. And and we're going to talk about ways to integrate that and how that gives us a vision of being in uh, the new creation with God for eternity and how we get to experience a taste of that together uh, today. Uh, When you Sabbath, when you rest in a particular way, you get to experience a taste of what eternity will be like. There's something really powerful about that. So first, this idea appears in creation. God creates the world in six days and on the seventh day he rests, which is already weird because he's God. So why is he resting? He doesn't need rest. Most of the time that we think about rest, it's because we need it. 
we're tired, we're weary, um, we're heavy burdened. We've worked our bones, we are sore. That's not God. And so why might God rest? He steps back from the work and he gets to look at it and be content with the work and enjoy it and to acknowledge that this is very good. And there's something interesting. This is uh, Bible Project Guys is where I got this idea, but um, specifically from them as it relates. But some of this now is like pretty common knowledge. But um, the Bible has lots of numbers. And seven is one of those numbers that's used a lot. And so we have the seven-day creation story. And seven is often used to talk about completion, um, being whole, being complete. And so when you think about like a seven-day week, it's a whole week. And there's something really interesting here about Sabbath that that is supposed to be a part of the rhythm of seven days. That makes you complete. As, you, uh, as your rhythm of the week, you work and you pour and then you stop and you step back and you rest, that is required for you to feel complete. Okay? That's not what our culture teaches us. Our culture teaches us, uh, and not in like insidious ways. I mean, sometimes it is maybe like the never rest mug feels a little insidious. It feels kind of like a fascist machine that like you just work and work and work and never stop and never rest. Uh, and that feels a little insidious. But lots of times it's just the way things are set up. Our society is we're rewarded. Um, we're, we're more successful uh, with the more things that we get done. The more we do, we think the more success uh, that we receive. And so our society is part, partly just set up in this way. Um, and it creates this feedback loop for us um, that what we do defines who we are. And, and that's not true. Uh, that is a, a big lie that we often feel. That what you do uh, defines who you are. That's not true. Uh, and so you have to um, actually be active uh, of stopping uh, this hamster wheel. I tried to do it uh, this week. I knew that I was preaching on the Sabbath. And so I was like, okay, well, I, should, <laughs> I don't regularly do this as well as I should because I fall into that hamster wheel and I just have to keep running and keep running. And I try um, and I often fail, but it's rare that I make like a concerted effort to say, hey, this time, I'm going to put away my phone. I'm not going to talk to people. I'm going to just do something actually like what we did tonight. I'm gonna to examine. I'm gonna think. I'm gonna sit alone in a room. I'm gonna sit with my thoughts. It's rare that I actually do something like that. Maybe that's what Sabbath is uh, for you. Maybe that's what you need actually. Well, actually I'm gonna to get to some of that uh, in a second, but uh, it's rare that I do that. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna to try to do this this weekend. Um, and it didn't work. It failed. Um, I got a few hours in and uh, things started happening and um, my mind starts racing about all the things that I need to do and, uh, and I kind of forget about it. And so I'm not standing up here to tell you like, hey, I've done this, I've experienced this and it's amazing. I'm standing up here to say, I believe that the Bible says that this is amazing um, and that we get to experience something powerful when we do it. Um, and I want that too. And so I'm in the midst of this, trying to implement this in different ways in my life, uh, in, the same, uh, in the same way that I'm, I'm hoping that you might as well. 
talking about our, our culture and, and the ways that we the ways that we seek rest. Okay, I, I don't know if um, if if some of you saw this. Um, Bo Burnham, you know Bo Burnham. Um, so Bo, he had like a viral video, um, a semi-viral video this week um, at some like panel discussion thing where he's talking about um, he's talking about social media and and the internet and internet usage. Uh, and this uh, this is actually a, a really profound statement that um, that I've heard a lot of people say, but he, but he's an interesting guy uh, to say it because he made his career on YouTube. He got famous on YouTube by making YouTube videos, um, by trying to get your attention, by trying to get my attention. Probably somewhere in between our ages is really was really like his target demographic primarily. Um, but somewhere right in there, and, and he is going to say something um, to this effect, that all of those companies trade on your attention. So the ways that you think about rest, if, if, if you were going to take a day and just uh, like veg out and take a rest, some of the things that you might do, maybe you'll go on a hike, um, maybe you'll uh, hang out in the park in a hammock or something like that. Um, but a lot of your day might be catching up on uh, Snapchat and Instagram stories and TikTok and scrolling through those things and watching those things and consuming those things, um, catching up on podcasts and, and YouTube videos, um, binge watching a series that you've been trying to catch on Netflix or whatever it is. Those are the ways that we think we're getting rest. And I just want to say that if you think that your time is your own, you're wrong. Um, your time is not your own. You only get to choose how to give it. That's it. There's, that's all you can do is just give your time. And so you're going to decide how you want to give your time and to whom you want to give your time. And so when you're doing those things, it's not that those things are evil or those things are wrong. I'm a, I'm a big movie buff. We can talk about movies if you want. I love movies. I love to see movies. I love to watch movies. I love to go to the theater. The theater is one of my favorite places. Um, I, I just, I really enjoy the, the whole thing. I took my son to a movie who's four. I took him to a movie this weekend. There aren't many kid movies out. And the one we saw was Lyle, Lyle, Crocodile. And it is not amazing. Um, <laughs> It's very, very mid, very mid. Uh, and, uh, but he liked it, and so cool. And it's got Shawn Mendes singing, mostly, um, and so whatever. Um, like, it sounds good. Um, I like movies, okay? And, and, and I just want to be conscious that when I'm going to do something like watch a movie, that I know that I'm giving my time to that thing. And not just time, uh, your time is commodified. This is what I wanna say, like y your time um, is a commodity. This is what Bo Burnham was saying, that all of these companies trade on your time and on your attention. This is, this is a, a piece of the quote. He said, every single free moment you have, every single free moment you have is a moment you could be looking at your phone and they could be gathering uh, they could be gathering information uh, to target ads at you, okay? That is the way most tech companies, every app that you have is tracking engagement. That's how they get money to do more upgrades, um, how long you're staying on a particular page. These are things that you know, but thinking about it as Sabbath and thinking about it as rest, if those are the ways that we're resting, 
by giving our time, by spending our time. We're, we're sp- our time is a commodity, and we're spending our time. We're paying with our time someone else's salary, and we're making them rich. And so we have to think, how are we going to spend our time? Um, author Annie Dillard, I don't know if anybody reads Annie Dillard, probably not at this age. Fine. Um, Annie Dillard has this really powerful quote um, that has been haunting for me, I think, because, because sometimes I think, well, it's not that big of a deal. I'm just going to spend a few hours mindlessly doing this thing and vegging out and playing video games or whatever. Um, and she has this quote that says, how you spend your days is, of course, how you spend your life. And man, that hits in the gut. How you spend your days is, of course, how you spend your life. Your life is made up of each of those days. And so if you're not changing your habits, um, then that is going to be how you spend your life, which is kind of terrifying. So I want to challenge you guys to do something different. I want to challenge you to be attentive to how you're spending your time. I want you to be attentive to, uh, to, to who you're giving your time to. Who deserves your time? Is it Netflix? Maybe, uh, maybe in a moment, it's, I really do. I want to critically think about this thing, but I do critically think about everything. It's hard to get out of my head. It's just, uh, it is how I'm wired in some ways. And, uh, and so it, it's an intellectual uh, thing for me to watch something stupid on TV um, because I want to engage with it in that particular way, okay? But the deal is your time is not your own. You get to choose how to spend it. Let's move to uh, the New Testament, okay? Uh, In John, the Gospel of John, actually, I'm not going to go to John. (laughs) We're going to go to Matthew. I changed it last minute. Originally, I was going to do John. Um, And this particular passage isn't in John anyway, so whatever. Uh, Matthew. Matthew 11, Matthew 12, verse 8. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. This is Jesus. Jesus saying He is Lord of the Sabbath. Okay? He is Lord of the Sabbath. Your time, my time, time for eternity is the Lord's. He is Lord of the Sabbath. And He wants you to spend your time in a way where you can experience the goodness that He has waiting for us in eternity. That we get to be connected to Him through Sabbath, when we're apart from the tabernacle, when we feel far away from the presence of God. We don't have the tabernacle in view, but what you do have at your disposal is your time, and you can use it to experience something eternal. That is powerful. That's really powerful. And it fights against a cultural tide and push uh, that says, we want your time. And in that way, Sabbath is liberation. Sabbath is resistance. Sabbath liberates you from from that cultural push that is fighting for your time. And that's big. This is what Deuteronomy is saying. I mentioned that the Ten Commandments in Exodus, you have Exodus and the Ten Commandments and keep the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And then in Deuteronomy, it changes. And it's not about the seven days in creation anymore. It's about coming out of slavery and coming out of Egypt, and that's why you remember the Sabbath. He doesn't want you to be enslaved. Liberation and salvation, being saved from the things that ensnare us, 
the bondage that we experience, um, the slavery uh, to, to uh, consumerism and to commodities, those things uh, he doesn't want for us. What he wants for us is salvation. What he wants for us is liberation. And the way that you spend your time is an active resistance against, uh, against that. Um, it's a way to feel your salvation. If you have been saved by Christ, a one way that you can feel your salvation, that you can experience the taste of eternity, that you can feel connected to the Lord of the Sabbath, is to participate in it, is to fight against those things. I want to leave you uh, with this. Um, I was talking about this with my core group last night. My core group meets on Monday nights at 10 p.m., which is late, um, 10 to midnight. And right at midnight, as we were kind of closing, I was talking about some of this stuff, and uh, they didn't know. I mean, maybe they did, but I was like workshopping some of this stuff with them. Um, and Dawson, who's in my core group, Dawson brought up a song by Josh Gerrels that I don't know called Resistance. Um, and I want to read you some of the lyrics. Um, it's phenomenal. And, and this is what I, I just want to end with tonight. It says, My rest is a weapon against the oppression of man's obsession to control things. Look at the long line of make-believe kings and the Lord of the Flies wants you to kiss his ring, follow new rules with invisible strings and become a puppet in a diabolical scheme. How do good men become a part of the regime? They don't believe in resistance. My rest is a weapon against the oppression. It's resistance. Uh, it's liberation. We strive to control our schedules. And, and most of us fall in one of two categories. We're either super strict with our schedule and we, we manage it to a T. Um, or uh, we live by the seat of our pants and we procrastinate and, and we're moving deadline to deadline. And neither one of them offers very much freedom. Both are an, are an attempt to control your life and to craft it in a way that you want. And neither one of those opens up space for rest. Uh, because one, you're just bound by deadline after deadline. And the other, it's scheduled so hard that when something surprises you, it causes anxiety instead of rest. And so I want you to think, do you believe that God is working even when you're resting? If so, you have to let go. You have to let go of that control. Do you believe that God is working even when you're resting? Do you believe that he's working when you're asleep? The answer is yes. 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 The answer is yes. Um, and God is inviting you to himself. Um, Jesus is inviting those who are weary, those who are heavy laden, to come to him and he will give them rest. So experience a taste of, uh, of eternity uh, and practice resistance through rest um, and feel uh, what eternity will be like.